Hello, and welcome back to Go Homeschooling with Erin and Amanda. Today, we have the lovely Heather Stark with us. She has a really unique product that I'm excited to get my hands on um, called Grace and Grit Box. Welcome to Goat Homeschooling with Erin and Amanda. I'm Erin. And I'm Amanda. This is the podcast to encourage moms that have been at this homeschooling gig longer than five years and plan on sticking with it through the high school years. The long haulers, as we like to say. We want to help you have the greatest of all time homeschool that meets the needs of your family by encouraging you with real conversations on the issues that pop up as you've been in this homeschool lifestyle for years. So it'll be fun to try and see if there's people out there that need the encouragement and if there's anything that we can do to help others as they get started on their journey. That'd be awesome. That's what we're here for. So hi, Heather. Welcome to Goat Homeschooling. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk to y'all today. Yeah. Well, when Amanda told uh, me that we had booked you, I was like, okay, got to know more about her. So I started like stalking you sort of (laughs) on Facebook and Instagram. So why don't you tell our listeners who you are and uh, a little bit about yourself? Okay. I am a former school counselor. I was in education for about 15 years. And throughout my time, uh, I really started noticing, I guess maybe about the, the latter half of my time as a school counselor, the sheer amount of girls that were coming into my office, uh, starting probably at the end of third grade, fourth grade, and then, you know, their their parents, mainly their moms and their teachers. And, you know, they were all like one minute, everything was fine. And then the next minute it's not. And and I think there's something wrong. I think there's something going on. Please help me figure this out. And when I sat back and looked at the situation, it wasn't that there was something wrong. It was just the girls were reaching that pre-puberty where you go from that life development where you define yourself by your own terms on the inside. And all of a sudden, then you're just very much aware of the outside world of society and of all of the things that you are not. And with girls and and their development, they internalize that. And it's often they would isolate more than boys. And it just, it just takes a toll. And then they become very much aware of how society views beauty and the idea of comparison. And I have an, my own history with eating disorder and depression. And I thought, you know, there's more, there's more here. I can do more. I, I know this space. And so I wrote a couple of self-esteem curricula and I built a business to support it. And <laughs> here we are about six, six years later. We're, wow. we're here. Yeah. That's awesome. Wow. So I know you have a lot of experience with the public school. So I know the curriculum that you've put together that we've seen on your website. Do you want to talk a little bit about the curriculum and then we can talk about uh, some of the other things that go along with that? Yes, I would love to. So we we started in the public school and then somebody said, what about homeschool? And we thought, oh, yes. And we had just started dipping our toes and getting to know the homeschool community when we were in the middle of a show in Fort Worth, Texas, when they came on the loudspeakers and said, you have to leave now. Um, you've got two hours. And so that that was kind of the introduction and then everything stopped. Because that was right when COVID, the whole lockdown for two weeks kind of thing. Okay. Yep. So, wow. All yep. right. So a couple of years ago. <laughs> so we were like, okay, so everybody's going online. Let's revamp. And so what it looks like is we've got two. We have two different curriculum. One is more of a unit study, and it's women in history with some character development. So we've got 
10. We're working on two more women. Hopefully they'll be ready to go before the next round of conferences. And it is a study on the woman's life, what she overcame, how she kind of improved life for herself and for others. And every woman has a character trait assigned to it. So we have Harriet Tubman in Courage, or we have uh, Marie Curie and Curiosity. And we have in the box, there's a charm, which is a little fun, um, kind of like a, if you think of it as a Girl Scout badge, the girls can collect the, the charms on a bracelet. There is a activity journal. There's a little illustration. There is an, um, some type of accessory that kind of accompanies and kind of symbolizes the woman. So we have mm-hmm. Kate Warren, which was the first woman detective. And her accessory is a, a little purse that you can put on your uh, belt loop. So, you know, she can put spy on a lot of people. So you can just, girls can write notes or something and put it in their little purse. <laughs> nice. Um, and then the we have free resources that accompany the box. And then we have what we call, excuse me, our play it forward cards. And that's how you generalize the lesson. So you've learned about this woman and you've learned about the character trait. And now you're asked to go put it into action by doing something for somebody in the community in the spirit of that woman and using that character trait. Oh, Mm -hmm. wow. I love that because part of the struggles I feel like girls and women have are that community piece and reaching out to other women or girls that are struggling as well, because I'm sure like you've seen, we're not as quick maybe to think that other people are struggling the same way that we are. So to have a a very topical unit study of a woman who has gone through something or many things actually usually (laughs) um, and come out on the other side is empowering, I feel like. So what is the the goal for you with the curriculum that you've written? What What is that goal? The bottom line is that girls understand their worth and their potential. Um, and, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head. All of the women chosen have overcome something. Something wasn't right in their lives and they had to make it better. And in by doing so, it caused these ripple effects that women supporting women. So it's just you've got worth and you've got potential and and you can do the thing. And it's just because you're struggling or just because it's hard doesn't mean that you're doing it wrong. It means that you're just doing this new thing and you're trying new things and you're taking a risk and, you know, daring greatly. And that that's and normalizing mistakes. I don't think we normalize mistakes mm-hmm. enough mm-hmm. In, in our that's lives. Really great point. Yeah. Yes. Yes, that perfectionism rears its head quite a bit, more so with girls, I think, than, and, and more, it's more internalized with girls maybe than it is with boys a lot of the time. Yes, very much so. I mean, yeah. b- yes. Or I think that we come from a, a default perspective that someone else already has this figured out. They're going to do it better than me. A lot of times we're not looking at ourselves as an expert in anything. I, at least mm-hmm. that's where I have come from and I've grown a lot since that. But just thinking back through being a middle school girl, a high school girl, just feeling this pressure, like, I don't really know what I'm doing, but it seems like everybody else has this a little bit more figured out than I do. Yeah. We forget that we all have this journey. And, you know, when our girls start comparing themselves to others, right, the quote, comparison is the thief of joy. They don't realize, oh, well, they're five years ahead in this journey. You know, it's it's almost very similar as you know, I I have older kids. I've done the little parts of of raising children, so I do have more time. And so, when a mother with littles is like, "How how are you putting dinner on the table three nights a week?" Mm-hmm. and I'm like, "I've already been there." When my kids were that age, 
I mean, it was a good thing if we had dinner one night a week. So we can't right. that comparison. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. So um, thinking about today, you know, with your, your background in counseling, what are some trends that you're seeing in the culture as far as females and teen girls, tween girls, early adolescent? Yes. I'm so glad you asked that. Oh. <laughs> Because I just um, published my first book. It came out in November, and it's called Her Story. And it's a heartfelt and hilarious conversation about beauty culture. And when I'm talking to families and other school counselors, that is the thing that has popped up since our shutdown, since we've been online and kids have been on social media. And we see this influx of influencers, beauty products, and the body and the filter You've kind of lost your 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 groundedness and your sense of reality as to what it actually looks like just to be a person. And right. so it's it's a lot of body image issue or feeling like you have to wear makeup but not quite sure why or the idea of clothing sizes. So in this book, it's just let's have a conversation about these beauty culture things that are starting to feel like expectations rather than an option. Um, because when all you're seeing is people's faces online in that little square, or you're mm-hmm. you're seeing all these influencers, and of course, kids don't always understand the algorithm. So the more you're you're pushing on an influencer or a certain topic or makeup, that's all that's going to be popping up. And so there's not a lot of kind of that other side of the story. Like this is just this isn't real. This isn't how we actually look. So that is that is the thing that just. Talking about beauty culture and body image, and you are supposed to be pretty like you, not pretty like her or her or her. You are supposed to be looking like you. And so I find when, I, when I'm when i doing workshops and stuff at conferences, just talking to parents about, let's go ahead and start having these conversations about you know why people wear makeup. Where did makeup come from? Um, where did undergarments come from? You know, what is the the history of that and why do we do that? And not be afraid to have those conversations so that our girls are prepared when that first pimple pops up and they're like, you know, oh my gosh, um, that you've already got stuff ready for it. And you're like, okay, remember, this is just a sign of puberty mm-hmm. and we have different ways of handling it, you know, or, you know, girls, it's that into third grade, fourth grade when your bodies start shifting and some of you are gaining weight and some of you are growing tall, some of you aren't growing at all. And then you go and you step on the scale at the doctor's office and all of a sudden you're 20 pounds heavier. And all you have heard is you're not supposed to gain weight. Gaining weight is bad. You don't ever hear it as in terms of our kids need to know they're supposed to gain weight and really differentiating that conversation. So all just beauty culture. It just feels like beauty culture has just taken over our lives. There's been no safety net. There's been no filter and just really kind of hammering it down and discussing with our girls why we do that so that they walk into it a little bit more grounded and not quite as blindsided. You know, that there's a difference between them going through these things without conversation, like them leading us. Or we're the tour guide and we can lead them. I love that perspective. I was looking at your Instagram account and just seeing your promotions for your book, Her Story. 
And I love just even the chapter titles and just how you're approaching a subject that can be very heavy or awkward or shameful or shame, you know, not shameful in the sense that you should be ashamed, but there is a lot of shame that comes with with growing up and not having answers to questions like this. So I appreciate that perspective. So your book is fairly new. It launched in what, October-ish? Or? November, beginning November. of November. Okay. Okay. So um, what is some of the feedback that you're getting so far? Uh, it's been nice. Yeah. I tried to uh, be funny about it because it is really awkward. So every cha- chapter starts with kind of my own meddling in makeup or understanding, you know, that bras, what bras were for. It was, you know, that was really confusing. And so then once I finally understood, it was because I saw a friend's hammock in the backyard and I was like, oh, hammocks, bras, that's what's going <laughs> on there. <laughs> yes. Um, But then also take the approach as I've raised a daughter and the mistakes that I made. And so that is that right there has been helpful. Gotten some reviews that that just kind of that parent perspective and that you make mistakes. But yet, you know, my daughter's 21 and we still talk and we joke about it and we laugh about it. And just that there was one that the mother and the daughter read it together because in in the book, there's certain chap- there's certain parts of the chapter for girls and certain parts of the chapter for parents. And that they were, they I think they, they said it was a, a special gift to have that time. Their, her daughter was 14. So excellent. Yeah. That's nice. That's really cool. Amanda, did you have any questions? I don't have daughters, but um, my sons will marry some of your daughters at some point. And so I appreciate (laughs) going through these steps and having a whole person be there for when my sons are ready. Because we have those conversations. I'm very blunt, probably more blunt than people tend to appreciate um, with my kids. And we go deep in, in conversations and we talk about the hard things. And I think that that's oftentimes even more important to do with girls because there's more to talk about with girls. I mean, with boys, it's kind of limited. You know, they have a couple of parts and it's, you know, functions or it doesn't. And you just kind of go with it. And the beautification, there is none of, you know, I mean, of course, there is a conversation about food and things like that because there is a healthy um, right, hygiene and, that and hygiene. Oh, my goodness. Hygiene. Um, <laughs> you know, all of that. So but it's it's a smaller conversation, I think, than it is with girls. I respect it and I look forward to hearing more and I want to read the book. And, you know, we can give you Erin's address if you want to shoot her a freebie <laughs> copy of that and she will read it yeah. and we'll review it. And you know, she's a much, she reads three times faster than I do. So that would be good to do. But yeah, I, I just, I completely appreciate it. And I wish it was something that I had had. I mean, when I was, I remember being those ages and needing a bra, not because I was developing, but because I was gaining the weight, you know, and, and my mom was very small and very petite. And I outgrew her by the time I was 10, 11 years old. Um, I could wear her wedding dress when I was 10. And then beyond that, I couldn't, you know. So feeling that and there's those pressures like what you guys were talking about with, you know, these. Yeah, you just you have that mindset of this. I'm not good enough. This is not something that I should be doing. I'm fat. You know, I'm fatter than my mom because you emulate your your mother. And so if you take after your dad's side as a girl, then you end up, you know, you kind of have these feelings about it. And yeah, teenage years could have been handled so much differently. Yeah, I, I appreciate all of that. So looking forward to yeah. hearing more. And you do bring up a good <laughs> point because I have a son and a daughter and it dawned on me that, I mean, if he's going to be a dad of girls, mm-hmm. he's got to know this dad, you right. know, and 
he he made um I share in the shaving chapter, he didn't even know women grew hair under their arms. You know, he mm-hmm. just thought that it was only something that boys did. And in me, he was 12 at the time. And I was like, oh, my goodness gracious me. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and I yes. absolutely have those conversations with my boys, you know, and we talk about what periods are and we talk about, you know, the development of girls. Of course, again, that conversation is shorter, but it is important for them to have an understanding of it. And so if they have a friend mm-hmm. that's a girl that's experiencing pain or that is, you know, going through something, then they can have some empathy for that and understanding for that and not be like, well, why was she hurting in co-op today or whatever? And, you know, have a have a little bit more, I don't know, understanding of it and uh, care about it. So and it's an, and it normalizes it, too. I mean, there's not a girl that doesn't have a period. You know, it's just everyone has to experience that. And so I'm not sure why it's a taboo thing. But, yeah, we have those way open, more open than my boys want me to have. But it's important <laughs> for them because they're like mom cringe. It's important for them to understand it. And, you know, they're going to have wives, you know, and I am determined that they know how to clean toilets, that they know how to um, (laughs) sweep a floor and vacuum and clean their rooms and be cleanly and understand the person that they're married to and have an understanding of how their body functions, too, and normalize it, you know, so it Mm -hmm. is important. Yeah, I'm on the other side. So I do have daughters. I have two, both through adoption. So my oldest, we adopted uh, just, you know, she was almost 12. And so I was thrust into motherhood of a girl right at that very tender age. And I know like I was just kind of deer in the headlights and sure she was too. And so I really wish that I had this book, you know, <laughs> way back, you know, five years ago, but, um, it is such an important topic and it is hard, especially, you know, as you're developing first a mother daughter relationship, but then also like this, this side of things. So, you know, when I was growing up, I don't know, Amanda, maybe you read this too, Heather, but are you there? God, it's me, Margaret. Like yes. that is the book. <laughs> My mom's like, here you go. This will tell you everything. And I'm like, what am I reading? <laughs> we must, we must. We had to even crack our best. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. Well, in even just like you talk a little bit about the history of, of bras and things like that in your book, pads have changed. I'm like, what mm-hmm. is a strap? Then why do you have to? And it was just like, you know, this um, um, sticker type material was not in existence at that time. It was by the time I, I was of that age. But yeah. So do you want to talk a little bit about that, Heather? Just how things have changed, how to communicate. And obviously your resources are great. Yes, Heather, let's talk for- about pads. This is not that kind of podcast. <laughs> we won't go there. But um just how to broach these conversations. Your your products are wonderful in opening those conversations. And, you know, how can a mother really build that relationship with her daughter through these? Yeah. And so I think it's very, it doesn't have to be a special event because I I felt like I had to make it a special event. And then when it just boiled down to, we were driving in the car and she was buckled in the front seat and she couldn't get away. And I was like, all right, here it is. We're going to talk about periods, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I just for reference, am an awkward laugher. If something is awkward, I will laugh. And I don't mean to, but it just happened. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. You're in good company. We're yep. the same. <laughs> we do that too. Yep. <laughs> and so I awkward laugh. The whole way through it, but I, and I force myself to use correct terminology and which makes it even more awkward, but it, it's just little moments. I mean, you guys 
can be, like I said, in the car driving and it would just start off with, okay, hey, I, you're 10 and we just need to talk about some things that are going to happen, you know, at some point down this line. And it can be a two-minute conversation that just inter- introduces the subject and then you don't have to have another conversation for a day or two. And, you know, chances are she's thinking about things. So you do want to follow up because you don't just want to like make this statement and then like <laughs> back to it. Leave her hanging. Yeah. But little things like that, you know, there there was a time um, the botanical gardens, you know, we were we would go to botanical gardens and we were just sitting there. And um, I had just introduced a couple of little things about um, puberty. And then she brought it up. She's like, hey, I got to ask this question. So, you know, when you are real and authentic and you laugh when you need to laugh um, and you're honest about it and it's not this bombardment of information, they'll start taking the reins and they'll start asking little questions. I think it is very important that you're looking at their body language, though, because the minute they turned, they're like, okay, <laughs> you know, let's, let's cut. It's, it's, there's enough information there for now. Right. Um, and there's, I mean, there are plenty of books. There's no right way to do it. The only thing, the only way you can do it wrong is just to not do mm-hmm. it. You know, it can just take a deep breath, let your armpits be sweaty and just say like <laughs> one or two sentences and then, you know, mm-hmm. go from there. That's what I was yeah. thinking. Like it needs, it, starts, it needs to start with us as parents, um, because if they're not getting their information from us, they're going to get it somewhere else. And so if we plant that seed and we open the conversation, even if it's just slightly before they're ready for it, when they are ready for it, they're going to seek us out versus seeking out some other resource. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've got my older one who's a senior this year, and then I have my youngest who's five. And so I've got a kindergartner there too. So I feel like I'm so excited that we've met you and have had the opportunity to kind of talk a little bit about what you have created because it is so important. I find myself actually having not adult conversations with my five-year-old, but more conversations about things like being a girl or wearing a bra or what's this? And, you know, debating whether pads or band-aids, like that's what she calls it. So <laughs> like, okay, well, I guess it could technically fit that scripture. But um, so we're having more open conversations and I'm so glad to be having that opening with that relationship now. But I think having something like your boxes where it focuses on women and going through hard things and talking through that because um, maybe we could talk a little bit about, um, you know, we homeschool and I know you've got a lot of um, public school experience, but I feel like the the issues of maturing and all those things are the same no matter how you educate your child. But a, a very key component is what kind of community do you have around yourself as a, as a girl? So could you talk a little bit about building that community with girls? Um. Yes. Yes. So the idea of fitting in versus belonging, because we we use the term fitting in and what we really need to be doing is belonging. So fitting in is, you know, I, I tell girls and parents that is making yourself smaller to fit into a certain space. So you are kind of cutting the parts of you off that are different. Mm-hmm. In a situation when you belong, all of your parts are accepted. So that's what you're searching for in life. And whether it's one girl or whether it's, you know, three or four, that's who you're searching for. And she she feels like home. She feels safe. She doesn't, you know, you will have your 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 issues. All people do. 
but yet there is a sense of belonging. You're not having to change who you are. And so the idea of what, what makes a good friend in terms of you kind of, they invest little bits in you. They're the type of person that wants to know how your day is. They're the type of person that remembers what you call your grandma and your grandpa, you know, your special names for that. They're the type of person that remembers when there's an event and asks. And then you are also this person that wants to do the same for them. So those, you're looking for that type of interaction in your community. Um, the, those subtle things that slowly build up trust. And all those little bits of trust get built up. Um, and then you just find yourself investing in that person. Now, on the flip side of that is sometimes that person doesn't come around for a while. And so you just have acquaintances here and acquaintances there. And that doesn't make you less. That just means you're still on this journey to look for them. And, you know, as far as those mother relationships with those daughters, you know, the same things apply. And we all have those seasons where we're like, oh my goodness, yes, this is going to be number one friend forever. And you're, you realize that it was just like, maybe we were only friends for a couple of months because of one reason or another, that was just the season. Mm -hmm. uh, but the, obviously we all know the, the, the families that have the values that, that you do that find the same things funny. You know, that's one of the things. Do you guys have the same sense of humor? Because that's going to get you a long way. Are you laughing at the same things? Um, are you an awkward laugher? Um, <laughs> you know, those, those types of things really help to build the community. But just bottom line, understanding that belonging over fitting in every time, all the time. That is such a great distinguishing line there. So as I, as you're talking, I'm thinking this is wonderful information for moms and daughters. But I I know that after talking with so many homeschool moms, speak maybe to the mom that feels like she just never got there herself. Because I can tell you, I've talked to so many moms that feel lonely or isolated. And you know, as homeschoolers, we are home a lot with our kids. We don't have coworkers in our home, so it can feel very isolating, especially when you do have a bunch of little ones underfoot or you've got older ones with major issues going on. Um, what would you say to that mom who just really needs the little bit of encouragement to find her tribe of people or i'd be I'd be curious what are the obstacles that she feels that she has in in that um is it that I mean, if she doesn't know how or if um, she doesn't feel that there's some like-mindedness going on, I I just believe they're out there and they're waiting. Like, we're all just waiting. And, um, you know, my best friend and I are like, we're soulmates. You know, I mean, yes, we mm -hmm. have our husbands, but yes. we're soulmates. And that mm -hmm. is something that women are to each other and women want to do that. We, we sometimes get stuck in our comparisons, but we want to do that. So the idea that that she's out there and she's got to be in that community. And she may be, you know, thinking, having the same obstacles as you are. And it does, making friends does uh, require some risk taking and some vulnerability. And you have to be willing to do that in, you know, just kind of throwing yourself out there. And I have a good friend, we call it scruffy hospitality. And so, you know, just come over for some scruffy hospitality coffee. It's, you know, just kind of throwing that out there. And you may have five women and of that five women, there may be one that just, you know, stands out that, that kind of the, the group whittles down and, you know, it's just the two of you. But it, it does require, I would be curious about the obstacles that she finds in her way 
and her willingness to be vulnerable and take a risk to to offer something to be denied a couple of times, which sometimes that happens and I hate that. But mm-hmm. I mean, you know, she could be listening. There could be two women right now listening to your podcast thinking, yes, I want to connect. <laughs> I need to connect. And maybe yeah. they can just, you know, connect over your social media or something. <laughs> there you go. I was going to say, yeah, if you're feeling like you need to connect with others, just email us and we'll hook you all up. That, that You know, that's yeah. an easy way to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. So I love that advice because it it is, I think it takes some introspection sometimes to get unstuck from our feelings about things. Uh, So maybe when we get a little bit more objective and I love that, what are the obstacles that someone might be facing? Because there are plenty of excuses or reasons or obstacles, whatever you want to call um, for not being connected with other people. But like you said, it's a human thing. We crave connection. And when we don't have that, there's a definite lack. And that will just trickle out into everything that we're doing. So um, let's trans- transition back a little bit to talking about how can we as homeschool moms implement maybe one of your box kits? Because I saw that, you know, it'd make a great unit study. Um, have you seen people use these for co-ops or group study or book clubs for girls? Yes, 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 and yes. So we have the boxes and we have something called lesson plans. And so the lesson plans are at um, a little bit lower of a price point. And they're the the journal, the illustration, and the play at Ford cards. And then there's facilitator guides that are, uh, they're free and you can just download it from the website. And it it will show you how to set it up as a small group lesson if you wanted to do it with more than one. Um, we have seen parents use it as part of their history. If there's uh, World War II, then they'll pull out our Rosie the Riveter or our Audrey Hepburn box, or if it's the Civil War, our Kate Warren box or our Harriet Tubman box, and they'll put little parts of the lesson embedded through the week. So you can divide up the unit study into anywhere from four to six, 20 to 30 minute lessons. That you can just divide it up and, and implement it. Uh, we've had families use it during the summer. A lot of them, you know, traveling in their RVs. Uh, if there's a certain part of the country that they're traveling to, if they're in Montana or Wyoming, we've had them buy the Sacagawea box. In Missouri, we had the Sacagawea box was huge there. We didn't even mm-hmm. connect. We felt so silly. We had the show. We're like, oh my goodness, Sacagawea is just killing it here. And then we were yeah. like, I'm like. Heather Stark. <laughs> so much time writing about her and you didn't even connect it. Um, That's hilarious. That's awesome. So I love that you're connecting all of these subjects because I know like with Missouri, our homeschool law, we have to get certain amounts of hours for certain amounts of core subjects. And so I love how you're tying these biographies to core subjects, but then they could also be used as a supplemental extracurricular summer um, kind of bridge activity to keep the girls engaged. Now you've mentioned a couple different times conventions. So are you speaking at any conventions coming up or? Um, we are just now starting to apply. Um, there's, I'm, I know I'm speaking at a couple of school counselor ones, but we are just uh-huh. now, in fact, um, the woman that does all of our paperwork and registers, she was, we were looking at dates for, for all of them coming up. So we are just now organizing our calendars and filling out the paperwork. But I'm usually, we usually, obviously we live in Texas. So I'm usually mm-hmm. speaking at the Texas one. Um, and there's one in California. I cannot remember if I spoke at Missouri, in Missouri. Might have been Missouri? Ohio. Um, we haven't Ohio. been to Ohio yet. 
and then North Carolina. I think I, I spoke at one of them last year and I cannot remember. And and it's usually about beauty culture and helping our girls just find their authentic selves and and hang on to that and develop that. Yeah. I love that message. That's it's so needed. And you know, um, there are several homeschool families that I know that's kind of a little sub niche of the homeschool community of foster parents. And so many times that is a huge, huge mm-hmm. thing with the kids that we are fostering or adopting and bringing into the homeschool community. And a lot of them have a lot of um, baggage about that or a lot of shame associated with their looks or, you know, their history. And so um, any kind of thing like this where you are focusing on positive messages about who they are and how God made them to be just so um, perfect the way they are. Like makeup's great. It's a tool. It's fun. It can be a creative outlet, Um, but it can also be something that's a high stress thing. (laughs) And the more that we can message this as like, it's a tool, it's a fun thing, or it could be something you don't, you're not interested in at all, but either way it's, it's fine because it's how you think it should be um, for your own use or (laughs) non-use. So yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Heather. So where can our uh, listeners find you on the internet? How can they order your boxes? Do you offer subscriptions or how does that work? So our website is graceandgritbox.com. And we will say yes to all of that. There's no like line in stone. We want, we tell families all the time, we want you to have the configuration of our product that works best for you. So we offer subscriptions. You can buy one box. You can buy all 10. Um, we are, you know, in the process of, uh, reconfiguring some of our stuff and, and adding more to the stories of the women and, uh, developing a couple more fun things just to enhance it. And, you know, the, we've been listening to the homeschool community about what y'all need and all of the different guidelines that y'all have to meet. And so we try to, you know, at least go back and make one or two small changes every year. Mm-hmm. So it it fits a little bit better. They go to either of those, they could contact you if they have questions or. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank yeah. you so much for joining us. And we'll make sure and link all of those things in the show notes for our listeners. And we really appreciate the message and the hope that you're giving to these young girls because it's so needed, like you said, with all of the things online and that beauty culture. And thank you, Erin and Amanda. Thank you. Thank I'm, you. It's very much an honor to talk to you both. I appreciate it. Erin, awesome. do you want to say what where to reach us? Oh, yeah. You can find us at <laughs> goathomeschoolingpodcast.com. Thanks for listening today. We hope you'll subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you'd like to suggest topics for us to discuss, or if you have any questions, Find us at Goat Homeschooling on Facebook, on Instagram at Goat Homeschool, and email us at Goat Homeschooling Podcast at gmail.com. Have a great day. Thanks for listening.